0: Brett, tell me a joke. Um did you hear
1: mm-hmm. that the Japanese make cakes for Halloween? I had not heard that. They call it pukake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Blake told me a joke. <laughs> All right. Did you hear about the hero with a lisp that always worked out? No, I did not. He's Thor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, a bear walks into a restaurant. He tells his waiter, I want a grilled cheese. The waiter, <laughs> the waiter pauses for a second and says, uh, what was with the pause?" The bear looks at him and goes, what do you mean? I'm a bear. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. Well, now that we've injected some levity into this episode of Midweek Matinee, we are covering 1988 war tragedy grave of the fireflies well brett how are you doing this week after
1: i'm doing okay uh as long as i'm you know sufficiently drugged not like hardcore drugged, you know (laughs) but as long as i'm sufficiently ibuprofened up um i'm
0: i'm okay nice yeah because you got your wisdom teeth out so the audience sadly did
1: yes
2: Uh, yeah morphine drip
1: i wish uh, (laughs) I i could drip myself to death but um, They're not yeah.
2: as fun as they sound. They limit it. I had one after my surgery, and it's like one every like three hours. It's like, why do you hand me the button if I can't use the button? But <laughs> <laughs> you torture me. I just I just remember when I
0: got my wisdom teeth out. It was right around Christmas time, and I went to a family Christmas like high on my ass on firkasets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I have hi- I had hydros
1: and ibuprofen, but opioids will constipate you if you take them too much, so I avoided them completely. Because um, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Plus, I don't want to deal with the potential for addiction. Not that it would happen, but... Always a I, chance. It, the, the ibuprofen was working, so I figure if it works, why well, fuck with the rest of it. No, yeah. fair.
0: I don't know. I never had that problem. Uh, Blake, how are you doing? I'm
2: doing very good. Very yes. good. Excited
0: Uh, uh talk so about how did, this movie. Yeah. No, I'm glad. Uh, how did the resident animation hater, like one of the best movies i've ever seen grave of the fireflies i liked
2: it a lot it was good
0: wow is that that's one that we've gotten on the show where blake's like no nah, <laughs> i guess it could have been done better i don't know spider-man into the spider-verse i brett, like
2: uh, into the Spider-Verse.
0: <laughs> not enough brett how did you like uh grave of the fireflies um i really enjoyed it and yep. it was something that
1: caught me i won't say off guard because i expected to enjoy it but it's In a little bit of true Ghibli fashion. It's a little bit of a slow burn to start. So I found myself, I wouldn't say like completely taken away from it, but I found myself having just sufficient uh, distraction to where in the first like 15 to 20 minutes, I was like, I'm not focusing on this movie enough and it was a little bit of frustration because while it's not necessarily the movie's fault i did feel like the movie hasn't hooked me yet but Mm -hmm. the thing is is that there's there's an art to the slow burn and i think that if they did the intro any differently the rest of the movie isn't as impactful so it's something Mm -hmm. that once it finally clicks with you you really appreciate the entirety but that was my one thing going into it as i I felt bad that I couldn't or it's not that I couldn't, but I was having more trouble giving the movie my entire attention. Uh, but I was so glad when it finally came over and uh, just to throw this in there, my wife was, I said, do you want to watch it with me? And she goes, I'll just sit beside you and play my switch. And by the time it was done, she was like, I watched pretty much that whole movie
0: and I didn't think I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah no i'm glad to hear that i think interestingly this is actually it, like you said it is a ghibli movie but it's one of the few that i know of that's not directed by miyazaki mm-hmm. it's uh directed by isao Takahata. i think yep. i said that correctly yeah it's also the only
1: ghibli movie mm-hmm. that they do not own the rights for
0: yeah i would imagine because you can't and that was the thing we went through before the podcast where we can't find it on anything but hulu to the point where like i had bought the blu-ray to watch it you know, it is available
1: on Voodoo for some reason if you've started this but not watched it. If you want to watch it, you can go rent it or buy it on Voodoo.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I would say maybe don't listen to this. Stop listening. I would absolutely say don't listen until after you've watched. I mean yes. it spoils it with the first scene. It doesn't it does not. It spoils a certain thing. It does not spoil the part that's upsetting about this movie, I think. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, There's yes, a lot of upsetting parts about it, but yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, the movie's more about Satsuko than really anything else, I think. So I think the beginning just sets the stage for nothing being happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if we want to go ahead and break into that a little bit, at least, not all across, but I think the big setup for this movie is that it is ultimately a story of siblings trying to survive on their own but just wrapped up in the dressings of world war ii because the time period makes sense for this i think right. this works regardless of what time period that you actually put it in and i think there's ways that this there's you can tell this type of story without having to have war involved but war and definitely a war that we all know actually happened
2: mm-hmm.
1: is a big great set dressing for it because i think it brings a level of Rel- like relation to it where you understand more about it and you can relate to it a little bit more um, we all know of war but I think this type of movie does a really good job of kind of exploring more of uh, what the impact of war is it's a war movie without being about the war like it is yeah. about the war
0: but it's more about the impact of the war on everyday people Yeah, well, that, that that's I think the thing where I almost disagree that it could work in anywhere else other than a war because i think the whole point is that everyone in the area is basically feral to the point where like they die like minutes away from people who are just unwilling to help them because their situation is 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 bad too that they can't be bothered Mm -hmm. and i think the only way you get you get this movie without them being in the ocean, like forty seven meters down, or lost in lost in the 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 woods. Is in a wartime. I don't think you can tell the story without the war. I definitely
1: think there's elements of it, but there's. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it. It's really about the beginning. But this is going to be one of those moments where another story comes to mind. Uh, that I'm almost curious if the the idea was kind of based around this story because this is quite old. Um, the beginning of Near. Uh, as we know it in the West and soon to be becoming the remaster of Near Replicant. I'm not mm. going to spoil anything past that, but the beginning of Nier specifically um, is really at the heart of it. If you play Near Replicant, which we didn't get, the story of a brother, you know, uh, an older brother, but still a young kid trying to take care of his younger sister and yeah, well, I think that, that I was what I was about to say is I guess it depends on what you define as war I think that struggle and hardship amongst a group of co- collective people is the is the way you, you get this movie now I guess you well, can get that without traditional war but I guess at the, stru- at the same sense it's it's war is not necessarily what causes this so much as the hardship of everyone collectively is what causes the events to unfold. Well, uh, yeah. War is just what set that in, act, in, in motion but, because of course the difference in near is that it's the world is ending. It's not necessarily right, a but, war. It's a, it's like a virus that they're trying to deal with and don't know what to do. And people are just turning against each other. And, you know,
0: I guess I'll, I'll say instead of maybe war times of high tension, yeah. But I think the thing that to me that makes this movie significantly more upsetting is the fact that they are literally down the road from he- from people who could help them. There I don't think there's any scenario mm-hmm. other than a war or an apocalypse where you would have that because yeah. if if this was like, you know, cuz you could get to a point and this is going to sound pedantic, I don't mean to be, where The Avengers is about two people trying trying to help each other. You know what I mean? So you could kind of blow out that to mean anything. Whereas (laughs) I I guess that's why I kind of was more on the side of disagreeing with you because I don't think this story works this way. At least for me, the most devastating thing was that everyone could have helped this little girl. And I guess by proxy him too. And they could have gotten that help being just a few minutes away. But it was so, everyone else was so hard up. That they couldn't help them, whereas in almost any other scenario but this, one person would help, and then we don't have this movie, you know? Sure, yeah. Not to be long-winded about it. Yeah, but
1: when you (laughs) set the stage for everyone to feel a need to really clutch to what's theirs due to the potential for famine, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, I think the age of these kids is, and of course, the conflict around, and not even... There is conflict within the village itself but it's the really it's the grander scale conflict that's you know forcing the hand of everyone it's a really interesting movie and um i I really i really like how it tries to view the atrocities of war in a way that i think impacts the viewer more than just watching war events unfold like you know you can watch a movie like pearl harbor or saving private ryan (laughs)
0: I'm sorry, because now you you get you mentioned Pearl Harbor, and earlier I had been thinking like, what if you just watch these two movies back to back? So you watch Ben Affleck's Pearl Harbor, and then immediately into Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> That would be like a ten out of ten out of ten out of ten uh, double feature
1: <laughs> but the difference between those movies and even something like Dunkirk is it 's specifically well Dunkirk is actually kind of a middle ground, I feel like, but you know it 's like in the midst of war and the actions of war, I mean yeah, you have moments of like the the bombings and whatnot here, but realistically, most of the conflict that we 're really experiencing the movie is not. The conflict of the war itself it's the conflict of the people because of what the war is causing it's like you have these moments where everyone seems happy and and able to almost live a normal life and then suddenly you kind of see everybody turn on each other as things continue to get worse and worse and worse it's uh it's it's definitely about how monstrous humans can be but i also think just you know we'll get into that in the long run but i think there's a little bit of a thing where i think that there is Part of what makes this movie so interesting is I think that there is a there's a version of this story if we were going to look at this as something that really happened, right, where mm. you can ask yourself if he'd swallowed his pride and returned to the woman in the village would things have turned out differently. And you know, it's it's one of the sad parts in the movie to begin with as an overarching thing cuz it's like, you know, they went out there to try and get their freedom, but in a lot of ways them going out there is what you became their undoing.
0: Uh, Blake, what do you think? Do you th- do you think they should have gone back?
2: Um, I mean, realistically, yeah. yeah. Because, like, if they did, maybe they wouldn't have died. And I don't know if it was necessarily, like, the biggest, like, pride thing. Or more so of, like, they were being, like, very mistreated. It's hard to say, no, they shouldn't have gone back. Because, like, obviously if they, they should have. Maybe they'd be alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know that I would have gone back. Mm-hmm so like i get get it yeah
0: see that that kind of brings up a, a point that i had planned on bringing up anyway is how exactly she passed away because we know that she died from malnourishment but the movie at least to me implied that she was refusing to eat and i think that she would have refused to go back regardless even if he was willing to swallow his pride which again he he's the quote-unquote old adult or the older sibling so he could have dragged her but yeah I think he knew that his sister wouldn't willingly go back there so they didn't go you know
1: yeah I think that there's definitely a way that you look at this where he was trying to play the kind of caregiver and role taker to where he accounted for what she wanted and what he wanted and he knew that out there even though it was more of a struggle they were happier when times when they weren't having to focus on the things they didn't have. Um, but, you know, and to your point, I mean, if she didn't want to go back, there's nothing, even if she went back, it doesn't mean she was going to eat. right? Uh, and even then, if you think about it, you know, the, the rash of malnourishment, you already kind of start, you saw start to form, even when they were living with the lady, you know, they, mm-hmm. they go and visit the beach, and she has the rash, and he goes and puts the cloth in the salt water, and he rubs it on her back and says, you know, that should help. But, it's clear already that malnourishment is setting in and it's yeah. unclear if it's because she's not eating, you know, she mentioned she doesn't want to eat the rice porridge, but then we see her happily eating the rice. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, it's, but it's also weird. Cause I think this movie does a lot with, you know, grief and, how even though he was trying to be the caregiver there's a lot that you can see from Setsuko where she is trying to also take care of her brother and be like no you eat and you make sure you're okay and yeah it's yeah it's it's a movie literally just full of heart aching moments and and concepts and thoughts to even have to think about children having to deal with
2: Yeah. yeah so if you don't mind i have a question for you guys go ahead Did you all go into this movie expecting like an anti-war or maybe even like an anti-American sentiment? Which would like for what happened be fair but like I did. Like when I started watching it I assumed like oh this is going to be like anti-war but really it never really preached or said anything like that. See
0: it's interesting Uh, and full disclosure I I was wondering if me and you were going to agree or argue on this point (laughs) (laughs) before the podcast but I think it's I think in a lot of ways it's anti-war, and I also think in a lot of ways it's pro-war, which is super weird for the
2: type of movie it is. So, and they, uh, Go ahead. And That's, that's really interesting. I, I was just wondering what, 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 what in the movie made you think it would be pro-war? Maybe it's a stretch, but it's the one scene where he founds out that
0: Japan lost and he's upset and he about w- it he was upset that japan surrendered yeah so to me that was almost one of these like very subtle like i would rather live through this than us lose i was maybe that is also almost like an in point of like oh he was indoctrinated into the empire way of thinking you know but yeah, I don't know. I, I think
1: that, the, what leans towards that is the fact of the way he says it. Now, I don't necessarily think it's pro-war, but I could see where you're coming from, from the fact that he says the great empire or you know whatever it is, the great regime empire, whatever yeah. it is, of Japan has lost. And he says it with almost a sense of like he's been taught that that was not possible, the, you know, kind of like I, what you'd expect if, if you had an American go out and, and be I, like, we lost the war. Uh, right. America I, lost the war exactly <laughs> yeah and
0: I should kind of clarify by pro-war I don't mean this movie is like fuck yeah let's go kill people you know that kind of thing sure. but more like we would like I kind of said we would rather be fighting and or we would rather be dying in the streets than lose you know yeah. I never felt like there was a message of this is bad it was more like this is the consequences but right also kind of this is what we needed to do which is almost a little weird coming from you know, but whatever.
2: <laughs> That's kind of what I took it as too, of like, hey, this is just the consequences of war, not necessarily like, look how bad this is. We should stop. Which, yeah. like, I would also understand <laughs> if it did yeah. do that, but for sure, yeah. With that scene where he's upset that they surrendered, you know, I almost I interpreted, interpreted it more kind of differently of like he was more upset that like they like you we went through all of this like as civilians and then you just surrender
1: that is 100 percent what i took away from it it very well had this thing of like after all the stuff that we've been through and all this heartache and inner turmoil and suffering and rationing that we've had to do we just gave up Right, And I think there was – I mean, I do think there's a layers of other stuff because, like, you know, he's the son of a, of a Navy man. So is it because of some sense of nation, like national pride, is it more that the loss impacted the potential of his father and, his, and whether his father was alive or not and, and how much that was affecting his hysteria in the moment? Which at least clearly you could tell somewhat added to it because his, his immediate follow-up was, where's my dad? And right. and then you kind of get the realization washing over him that his father didn't write back because he was killed.
2: Right. Yeah. So, it's a very tough scene to watch for sure. No matter how it was implied, like to mean. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. This
0: entire fucking movie was a tough scene to watch. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> wow, well, man. There's some parts that are just so endearingly cute, but it's oh, yeah. it's because you know that they're never going to end happily. <laughs> right, like the that beach scene was great it's like every moment is like this existential sense of dread mm-hmm. just coming over you of like I know it's going to happen right like I know that this is happy in the moment but it can't last
0: no absolutely and I
1: think that you, you, you mentioned that the beginning of the movie has this feeling of like setting the tone that that is the reality for mm-hmm. all the happiness that happens and all the moments of levity and what we would probably view as looking in on what we'd hope would be the average life it's like it always has to come with the other reality of life which is all the turmoil that has to come from these things like you know there's the moment in the movie where it's almost like the movie lets you as a viewer forget that the mothers died because you just get to see these kids being kids and having fun almost Mm -hmm. like their parents you know everything they've known and loved was just gone (laughs) it's yeah it's a very pulling movie in that regard.
0: Yeah. So how did you guys feel about the ants? I
2: thought she was very, very rude.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes, I would, uh, I would have to be agreeing with you, but (laughs) I guess the question is like, when I watched this movie, like I didn't like the ant, but the more I think about it, the more I don't want to say justified, but I guess understandable her position is, you know, I think her problem for me was the big like, oh, my family's in the war were more important than you kind of stuff. But it just seemed to me like, oh, I'm worried about my family and they they're going out and you're just sitting here. So I, I kind of felt for her. But at the same time, she basically killed two children.
1: <laughs> mm yeah you know it's it's weird i don't want to i don't want to put their deaths on her because i don't think that's necessarily fair but i think that there's a reason why your gut kind of wants to go towards like you know if you just would have treated them better than this would have happened um you know the the thing about the aunt that kind of got me was that she makes a lot of fair points, you know. It, it's it's very hard to watch her and think that everything she does is just mean. Like, you know, it's not like you see her and think, "Oh, this is like Cinderella's stepmom." It's more like her children were out there doing things. I mean, even no matter what it was, they were out there trying to do things to either help in the war effort or just do something. And when you see these kids, which fairly so their children and if you notice, she almost un- like disproportionately leverages it against um, S- uh, Seda because he is old enough to do something, but at the same time, it's like he feels this responsibility to his sister, so he doesn't want to leave her behind to go do these things because he's trying to fill that role that he feels like she needs since the mother's gone. And Mm -hmm. definitely because the majority of the movie we're led to believe that Setsuko doesn't know that the mother's gone. So it's like, he feels an extra layer of protection over her. Like, you know, I've got to make sure she stays happy and healthy as she can because she doesn't even realize, you know, she's that she won't have her mother. And then you see that scene where he breaks down once he realizes that she's aware. Um, yeah, that was hard uh, to watch. Yeah. So, in that sense, you know, you have the aunt kind of being realistic of, you know, you expect the same thing that they get, but they go out and do things. Like, what do you do? And it it almost was said with this mixed layer of like, oh, yeah, they, they, these are my children. I'm going to make sure they get what they need. But also this sense of like, if you pull your own weight, maybe you can get these things. You know, it mm-hmm. it, it was almost like it was said with – Hey, you know this is something for you to work toward. But if you don't want to work toward it, then yeah, I'll feed you. But it's just going to be rice porridge, and you're going to get you know what I get if you kind of think, <clears throat> think about it.
0: Yeah, because she's guess, eating the rice porridge too. That's fair. I guess my biggest problem with that was that she sold their stuff for the rice. <laughs> yes, which so is which a, I liked that. Sorry, I liked that. Setsuke said it, mm-hmm. and she was like that's our fucking stuff basically <laughs> like <laughs> I really appreciated that someone said it yeah. um but I interrupted you what were you saying Brett
1: uh no i I like that that was said too but at the same time you know there is uh, the interesting thing about the aunt is that almost every step of the way I see a fraction of where she's coming from it's like yeah, yeah she, you know she did take your mother's stuff And she is benefiting from it, too. But that's because y'all are benefiting from living, living under her roof and under her care. And just as much as you had to give up something that you considered to be yours in order for you. And I thought it was really interesting that she gave them half the rice. Like, here's your share. This is what you get. And and then she went and kind of went through like, oh, you know, you can have all this. I, th- I thought that was a cool way because it was kind of like acknowledging that in this situation, everyone kind of has to do their part. And the kids part in this was having to let go of something they may not have otherwise wanted to let go of. And mm-hmm. each of them benefited from it. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, 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 it was two fair points kind of being met with each other. And <laughs> yeah,
0: but. Well, that was like I almost w- was wondering if they were going to have a scene of them going back to the house and taking the other half of the rice when they left or something like that when they were getting desperate. Um, <laughs> Should have. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. Um, we've been kind of talking about the movie, and I didn't. I meant to ask Blake this early. How did you feel about the animation style and like the way it looked? Because I know that's a big roadblock for you.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, mm-hmm. like we've talked about with the. Um, fuck, can't remember the name of the last one we did. Spirited anime. Away. Spirited Away. Yes. The um, it wasn't necessarily animation style because I thought it was animated beautifully, but it's more so like the ridiculousness of it. I guess to quote my yeah. good my my boy uh, Rob Deerdick. <laughs> it was
0: <laughs> it was too fantasy for you. Yeah, so I that,
2: think so. Which is weird.
0: So I was gonna say because I'm not not that you've seen it, but like the stuff like. Warcraft or even fucking Lord of the Rings does that that works for you in live action if that was uh, animated you don't think you'd be a Lord of the Rings guy
2: yeah I think so I think if it was like even if it was the same exact movie but animated, I don't think I would enjoy it near as much.
1: See, I find that's, that so odd. So just yeah, it being viewed. Because I think something's whimsical in nature regardless. I mean, I do <coughs> think the animation has the ability to help sell whimsy uh, just by nature of being able to, to exaggerate and you know, have things proportioned differently and it not feel weird. Like you know, if you had something disproportioned like crazy in a movie that was about real people, you'd be like what the hell this is so weird but if you see a cartoon character with a ridiculously big smile and a large head and a small body you're like ah it's cartoon yeah i mean
2: you know (laughs) and like we said i've never understood it like it doesn't make sense like i can sit here and try to explain it again but it's confusing to even try to explain but this movie worked for me like because i mean it was down to earth and Like, this could have been live action, and I think it would have been just as good. Maybe even better. But, I mean, I don't know.
0: I don't know, because that's my thing, I guess, which is... We'll get off it, but that's what I find interesting about this, is that i'd never want to see this in live action the same way i never want to see like into the spider verse in live action
1: yeah there's something about the animation that i think really weighs into a lot of the themes that this story presents now i'm not saying that i do agree with you blake they are the movie as a whole is much more leveled out and grounded than something like spirited away that's very fantasy driven and you know i I keep wanting to say whimsical but i guess that's kind of what it is it's Mm -hmm. it's got a bunch of odd characters that only really exist in that kind of crazy fantasy world uh but but there's something about this movie and a lot of the things that it does that i really think the animation does a lot to lend itself toward and also good lord does this movie look gorgeous i mean the whole way through you know when you look at something being made in what 88 is that -hmm, right yeah yeah i mean it looks so good Even by modern standards, there's something that's so great about that style of hand-drawn animation when it's actually that clean of a level. It's just, it's insanity.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel about specifically, because I know there is the live-action version of this movie, and it's one of those things where I kind of feel like when you see a girl who does, like, cosplay... And it never looks good to me. Not because the girl's not hot. I'm almost positive she's hot. Whoever I'm talking about, but <laughs> I know what Laura Croft looks like, and you don't look like Laura Croft. You look close to Laura Croft, but there's always I always get that like this is going to sound insulting, and I love I love women. Feel free to do your cosplay, but there's always this little bit of like dollar store version of that. The same way we made fun of the guy who leads um, upgrade for being a coupon version of Tom Hardy. <laughs> it's it's that same thing. Where that's why I would never want to see this or Spider-Verse in, the, in in live action, because there's that sense of, like, you don't look the same. You look like you're trying to do this. Well, yeah. So it looks bad. <laughs>
2: like, I'm not saying that a live-action remake, which actually does exist, but I'm not saying yeah. a live-action remake is what I think would be better. No, for sure. But if I... this was just live-action instead of animated. Obviously, yeah. like watching something in one way and seeing it a different way depending on whether you like one way or the other would be bad so Mm -hmm. i get that
1: yeah there's something i like about doing a medium like animation which is often used to things that are so beyond the scope of reality being used for something that could be done in real like you know in just typical uh live action fashion like nothing about this story requires to be animated but i think that leveraging the animation leads to a very interesting movie and i also think it goes to show that you know uh, at the time even more i think that they're in america for sure there's always kind of been this thing that animation is like a lesser medium and that it can't tell as serious and interesting and thought-provoking stories but i think this movie indefinitely in 88 i don't necessarily know if the um, english dub came out in 88 but Mm. If whenever it did hit you know even when we were children uh i would say up until you know the last i'd say pixar was kind of the start of some american adults being like maybe animation can tell really good heartwarming and provoking stories um sure and and we've only continued to see that grow thankfully but i think a movie like this happening in 88 goes to show that animation's always been able to tell these type of stories it's just and i I don't point this at you in in that sense but for whatever reason there are people like you, Blake, that just don't give it that time of day or have some preconceived hang up or something about it. And it's, it, it seems like it's almost always been a disproportionately American problem. Sure. Um, and I don't know if that's propaganda or something either. You know, I'm not <laughs> leaving you <laughs> in with all those people, but <laughs> I say propaganda because. Uh,
2: I remember There's, all the posters in my school of like just <laughs> to animation, animators well, it, die.
1: Back whenever animation no in real the stories. US was actually <laughs> trying to be very adult and mature, <laughs> it was kind of being crapped on. Uh and a lot of that has to do with like puritanical values because it started as a for some reason, animation could only work here when it was aimed at kids you know when they were trying to do animation before that oftentimes it was oh it's too adult vulgar and goes against our christian values well, <laughs> and I, mean, I think it's a lot of it you know
2: real quick i, I do want to clarify that i don't think personally animation is like a lesser art form mm-hmm. i know you I never know. said that i did but i yes. just want to clarify for anyone listening that like that's not my stance Animation's great it's just not for me which is why i'm going to keep picking them um <laughs> but, but going back to your point
0: brett is it's funny because you're right in a lot of ways that where my dad i think i've watched cowboy bebop in front of him attack on titan i watched with him i wanted to see if he would like it he didn't um and then the, I had, when i bought grave of the fireflies and every single time he was like are oh, you watching cartoons exactly like, yeah man and then I showed him attack on Titan and I'm like that's a fucking cartoon dude chick got bit in half
2: (laughs) yeah I made my stepdad watch a bunch of hentai like you think you call this not art
0: (laughs) do you see the curves on the
1: tentacles (laughs)
2: Um, are
1: you telling me tentacles can't love these women this is a real love story dad (laughs) dad you telling me your dick ain't hard right now huh don't even lie to me like that dad
0: (laughs) Uh, I actually saw it tweet thread about a guy who showed his parents a hentai. That's great. Fucking awesome. Legend. Legend. It's like, oh, the story in this is really great. I only read the hentai for the articles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did you guys feel about how they spent their time at the shelter? Because I think the movie spent a lot of time showing you that and what they were doing there to make the ending more effective, obviously. So how did that really hit you?
1: Now, just to get a little bit of clarification, now, do you mean just specifically how did the time at the shelter hit me, or how did it hit once it kind of No, how did the time with where
0: the engine? shelter hit you? Because we'll talk about the ending. I'm just trying. I don't think we need to, like, specifically go through everything at the shelter. I think that kind of, it, it can kind of encompass <sighs> itself.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, one of the things I thought was really interesting about the time at the shelter, just because when it happened, I thought, oh, this is... of You know, you, when you're watching it, you almost expect the kids to show up. But this comes... You, you know, when we see the four kids come with what looks like fishing gear to the lake, and they're yeah. looking at the shelter, and they're like, "What? Is somebody living here? And um, there's kind of this... <laughs> they're looking and kind of making fun of the situation and viewing it in a weird way. And then I looked, I I kept expecting that time. Like, okay, uh, Seta and Setsuko are going to show up and this is going to somehow have an impact on the way that they view their current situation now because of the fact that they're not like a normal kid and then that really wasn't and it's not that I think that that scene was pointless to show I think it was an interesting scene to show because it kind of showed how other kids who still had like you know this movie had a big thing about showing other kids of all ages even adults that, that still had their parents around like you know we get to see uh Setzko kind of looking at the what looks to be like probably a 20 30 year old lady talking to her elderly mother and being like it's so good to see you mother mm-hmm. it was just it it was one of those small scenes it's like it wasn't necessarily centric to our main characters and it was so interesting that the movie chose to completely show scenes that had nothing to do with them yeah. um well i mean it did but tertiarily like it had to do with them because of just how someone viewed their living arrangement Mm -hmm. Um, and
0: thinking about just that what you're talking about is i really liked that scene of the um three girls kind of dancing and joking around on the balcony and -hmm. then it pans over and you see that their balcony is looking upon these two starving children Um, which i
1: mean you know it's this is when the children are already (laughs) <laughs> the, the yeah. brother's clearly not dead but this is after this is after the tragedy mm-hmm.
0: um well i mean it, you you brought it up and it makes me wonder did you guys feel that there was anything supernatural going on in this movie
2: no
1: Now, i guess no not really you know i think so that clearly the way they chose to manipulate the timeline um it almost kind of looked like it might have been Saita looking back on his life and kind Mm -hmm. of like recapping his life the way I kind of viewed it uh, wasn't supernatural I thought that the way that the movie plays out sequentially could be viewed as it jumping between times or it could be viewed as him having his life flash before his eyes before he dies that's kind Mm -hmm. of the way I took it It it's like we were seeing his life play out in his little pre-death flash of your life
0: yeah, and I think the only reason I'm wondering is because I'm almost wondering if he is looking back at his life but he's a ghost going to the same places and I know that it's not really helpful, but I think the only oh, reason I'm yeah. even thinking about that is because you get the scene of the four kids fishing and then you have that one kid run away and say, "Oh, there's ghost. a ghost, there's a ghost." Yep. And then I I could be wrong, but I believe the next scene is him and his sister at the place, but he's in the military clothes, which I think the military clothes is signifying... When When he's he's a ghost looking back. Yes.
1: I I had a feeling of some of that, too, and I thought that that was kind of supposed to be him knowing that he was looking back on his life. I didn't necessarily view it as a thing of a ghost, but I did get that little bit of a moment, too, when the kid said, ah, ghost. Now, the actual follow-up scene, I could be wrong, but I actually paid attention to that, too. Um, I'm fairly positive is the kid's out peeing in the forest. Um, Gotcha. And... Uh, or they're, they're, I'm pretty sure that was the scene. It was definitely them in the, in the forest to some degree, and it was with him with his shirt off. So I don't necessarily think it for sure had to do with that. But um, yeah. I could see how – because, again, that gives even more reason as to why that scene's in there when it's a mm-hmm. scene that otherwise is not dealing with the, the children. It's well, almost keep like in it's mind, a, subtle, a subtle hint towards something.
0: This is going to be potentially really dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway because I believe it. Think about when <laughs> – he picks up, like like when you start getting these flashbacks, is when the janitor throws his sister's ashes into the forest, mm-hmm. and the the he he picks it up and restores it, and she's with him. Mm-hmm. So it's almost one of these things like is he tied to the tin, and she's tied to her ashes inside the tin
1: yeah to me that was kind of just like the you know as we know with a lot of studio ghibli stuff this idea of like the the spirit the idea of what happens you know with the right. spirit um i personally just happened to view it as more of something that was like a uh him rejoining his sister uh, yeah. and that was a clearly your first hint that she was going to die kind of like what <laughs> blake said yeah <laughs> um But, I mean, again, there's a lot of leads towards how this could be subtle little hints over this actually
0: being something more than that. I was going to say, Blake, how do you feel about my uh, ghost conspiracy theory?
2: I don't know. I just kind of took it as, like, he died, and then the guy threw the tin, and the ashes came out, and they just kind of met. Like, I didn't think Mm. too much of it, I guess. I don't know. All right.
1: Fair enough. You know what I think I figured it out? I think the reason the animation doesn't hit with Blake is because it's very, animation's very, very abstract. And <laughs> a, I, I mean this in the sense of the fact that Blake watched that and just didn't think much of it. And it was like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's just them showing something. I think Blake that you're a more, what you see is what you get kind of thing. And when you did, when you take the things and put them in a more, again, animation tends to do these things through other means they try and find another way to convey things that we all know and feel through certain visual flares uh now of course i think modern day live action movies are getting more to that degree but um you know there's that's a big thing you know you talked about how um, the away felt kind of i don't, don't want to say goofy what was the word that you used for spirited away
2: I don't know like out there I guess I don't remember outlandish otherworldly
1: I mean yeah. something to that degree maybe, and a lot I of said. that is because <laughs> it's just them giving personification to certain you know it's like oh this is a spirit that is supposed to embody this negative trade or this trade or this and it's I mean I, I'm not saying that's for sure but I find it interesting that your answer to that is that you kind of just took it for what you saw
2: yeah kind of with breath there that's interesting. I don't know, it just nothing about this movie was outlandish or crazy that would imply that they meant anything else like by that scene, I don't think. Well, I think, I guess the only argument I would have
0: there is that the movie happens after he dies. And I think if you look at it linearly, which is why I come to the conclusion that he's a ghost the entire time looking back, is I think the movie's told linearly, but his life is told non-linearly. You know, kinda kind of of in the way where Endgame does their time travel where it's you can go back to the you can go back to the past but your future but you going into the past is still you continuing on your future, you know? Sure. Where this was he he goes and he gets it and now he's going back but he's he's still dead, he's just looking back on it, and I think that's why you get that scene of and it symbolizes, you know, oh he's he's dead and passed on
2: yeah okay. I didn't really think of it much as like he was looking pat- back at his life I thought it was just here's what happened and now let's go back and show here's you what led to this what moment. led to it because yeah. movies do that all the time it was like this is how I got Mission here, Impossible kind of I think it was Three did that it started out with like showing his wife being kidnapped as the first scene and then it showed the rest of the movie is just leading up to that scene and a little bit after. Yeah, not like too, your storytelling
0: yeah. to a degree. Like Un- Uncharted 2 starts with you in the train and then they decide to make you do the same thing over again halfway through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I what you're saying. Yeah, I guess my only thing is, is that I think the
1: movie clearly tries to hint that it's him it, either yeah. being a ghost or seeing his life kind of being a passenger to watching his life go by, even though that's just a device for us, the viewer, to get to see the events. I mean, yeah, there's right. more to it than that, but I, in my opinion, because there's a lot of moments where you see uh, Seda in his full military garb, uh, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we see, uh, he looks over and then he's like seeing him, him and his sister. So it's clear that it's like him kind of visually, being able to witness these things in a third person way which you know there is a lot of people have that belief of like you get to watch yourself as if you were a passenger almost like you watch your life unfold as if you are beside yourself watching it happen instead of that you were actually part of it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's kind of what the military outfit symbolizes is him being in I almost want to say the state that he thinks of himself in or maybe his best state. And that's why I think the movie gives us those interstitials of him coming up upon these scenes in the military garb. And then it goes back into like, oh, all right, we're starving, you know?
1: Sure. Because you yeah. get
0: that juxtaposition every once in a while of him in the garb kind of looking a little ghosty, right? Like he's almost glowing and he's got his sister there who's clearly not... Dying of malnourishment kind Mm. of thing. Sure. Uh, There's a
1: scene in particular I'm curious as to how you guys felt because it's a very long scene and I could see (laughs) someone feeling like it's more or less unnecessary to spend that much time on Uh, but it's the last scene that we kind of have before we get I'm pretty sure it was before we get the confirmation that uh, Setsuko had died, where we kind of see her in her fully healthy form, just kind of moving around and playing, and almost again to Chris's point, almost like a, um, like a montage of, but not. It almost is presented as if it's like a ghost of her, just effortlessly transitioning between all of the fun she had at that place. I guess that's really yeah. the best way I can word it. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it was a long scene. Like, it went on a long time.
0: I love that scene. Yeah,
1: it's very poignant,
0: but it's but also, think, like, you look at it and you're like, huh, this
1: is a kind of a weird scene. To-
0: well, that's what confused me is that happens after you find out she dies. Yes, so yeah, that's right. So you had after. said, that's why I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah, that's, I think, because I think that's basically the ending. And that, to me, is what put this ending, like, taught like you got whiplash and then you got Grave of the Fireflies um, because that that was when I got really sad and I was upset so cause like I had so like quick backstory right I had watched 90% of this movie basically right up until she passes and then I went oh and had God. dinner so I, so I paused the movie and I'm up having dinner whatever we're talking and then I come back down I finish the movie and I just kind of fucking walk upstairs cause I had to go run an errand and I was like what's wrong and I was like Ooh, it was really sad, and I was literally like <laughs> away from that Cartoon her. was sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, I thought I, I raised you like, right, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why wow, you're still living in my basement? You're out here watching cartoons <laughs> uh, <laughs> and crying the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just it was that like watching her play around like c- c- the one that there are two moments that had me in my feelings and it was her playing rock, paper, scissors with herself in the water.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. And her sweeping the cave with a tree branch. Where I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this movie is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: why do you do this to me movie
0: why did you feel the need i immediately finished it and i was like why did i put myself through that that was just painful more interesting that you paused it and you kind of got to and it's like the
1: movie just comes back to being like oh yeah she was a nice fun little girl well
0: (laughs) it was it it was (laughs) almost the it's almost the exact scenario we joked about with up in the air where if you don't finish the last 10 minutes of that movie it's like a pretty silly (laughs) rom-com
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs> and that was kind of
0: what this movie was where it was like I knew what was gonna happen right because I wanted to watch this movie specifically because it was supposed to be devastating but like up until the scene of her by herself just being you know it wasn't it, it wasn't effective not, not 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 effective but it was a situation where it was like this is fucked up more than this is just sad you know
1: yeah sure Man, I I don't know. There's so much about that movie where, uh, you know, the way that it kind of tries to pull these things together. I guess for me, it was, again, you you do have to somewhat come back to the idea of the fact that this takes place during a war, right? I think one of the things that made it really interesting to me is we as Americans – who complain and bicker and talk about hardship and I'm not saying we don't have our own level of hardship but we don't understand hardship to this degree. Definitely not Mm. in our generation. Um, We really haven't had that on a scale to where it would be almost universally felt. I'm not saying there there aren't people who have had moments like this of course but this is obviously like seeing it happen on a large enough scale that virtually everyone's impacted to a heavy degree and you know, we're watching the events about the atrocities of war and kind of what that impact is on not only people, but specifically through the framing of children. Um, and typically in like today's time, people view children and think of them as having like a more naive worldview. And I guess that's still true in this movie. But Definitely. it's it, when you look at this movie, I think part of what makes it so sad is like it's partially a realization that there are, things in our own past as just humans and you know looking back at things we've done and really viewing them for what they are instead of the quick version that the history book tends to give you uh really helps a lot in kind of understanding where we've come from and where we can go as well as i think kind of giving you the fact that even today in many areas there's a lot of children who go through far more difficult times than we'll know in our entire lives and the chances that they're going to get out of that are significantly lower than ours. Uh, even if we did find ourselves in some form of hardship, um, it's. I think that that's. It's the realization of like. I, I don't know if it hits me harder because I have a kid. You know, I think mm. to myself like, you know, I have a daughter and she's five. And I don't know exactly how old Setsco is. I'm getting the vibe of like three to four.
0: Yeah, I would say that. Um, Her brother's 14. I know that. Yeah,
1: so when you look at that, you know, I think like, you know, what if for some reason um, the only people, you know, what if something happened, you know, all this things went to hell and me and my wife died and this happened. I mean, it's kind of hard not to put these things into your own worldview and be like, you know, what is this and how would this impact the way that I would view about these things? And it's horrible to think about your kid having to go through something like this. But this is a reality for a lot of people, even Mm -hmm. today, let alone the fact that it was a reality for a lot of people, specifically in something (coughs) the scale of World War II. So it was a really... Heartfelt movie for a number of different reasons. I mean, we can all put ourselves in the position of the children, but I think we can also put our. I mean, I think a lot of us, like Blake, for sure, can put yourself in the position of thinking about your children in those in those positions and realizing how heartbreaking it is to think about someone having to go through that. That's not even yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. I think some. I think a lot of people would look at this movie and be like, "Oh, I could put myself in his shoes," but. What about just looking at it through someone else's, you know, as not for yourself? Like, what if you projected this onto someone else and just watched them go through it? You're going to
0: realize the horrors of the world for what it actually is? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Because the one question I kept asking myself is, would I do anything different than any of those villagers, right? Like, would I have helped them? Yeah.
1: And if someone's stealing your your fruits and vegetables that you're putting all this time and effort into...
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is there's a lot of me that's like, I think I would have been the same selfish as them because I you don't have another option. You know, as much as you want to say, oh, yes, I would help them, of course I would help them. Well, it's, it's easy to say to that really now. I believe that you would. You can, exactly. That's my thing is I don't think in that scenario I would. I, w- I would be fucking rabid. You know? Oh, you want to take rice off my kid's plate? I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's exactly what would happen. It's... You know, I think for me, one of the big scenes that kind of really... It was a big moment for the movie is whenever he visits the doctor with Setsuko. And he's kind of like talking to the doctor. He's like, can you give her medicine or something? And the doctor... You know, it's easy to look at what the doctor is coming off as kind of like jaded and like he's been having to deal with the world the way it is and the fact that there's not much he can do with what he even has the ability to do. And you kind of see, like, you know, can you give her something and you help her? And it's, and the answer is she needs food. It's like, you know, Mm. no matter how hard I try, I can't just. And I, it is interesting that the doctor says it with almost like a hint of like the medicine is food you just got to go feed her and then you have that break in seda where he's like you know where do i get food and it's like with that desperation of like do you not think i know that do you not think i've tried that it's mm, yeah i mean it's uncomfortable
0: yeah it was very like i don't know they i wish the doctor had been a little less arrogant but at the same time like you said he's seen people like this day after day he's kind of gotten hard to the fact that like yeah i don't even
1: know if it's arrogant so much as it's just like de- i think the arrogance comes the more situation from situation around
0: you yeah i think the arrogant feeling comes more from the way he was animated than anything else just yeah he has a like a smug stoic, look on his
1: face almost but yeah it's it's like a, a look that could have been smug but it could have just been like
0: just um, how he his discontent face
1: is almost even like it's just <laughs> right th- this is reality uh, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah um i don't know i guess we kind of covered everything in the movie so does anyone want to kind of hit on some scenes specifically i know we've kind of gone through that but
1: um you know i have this this thing in the movie where often we're it's weird to say this but Seda and all of his stuff of course he's trying to play this older role but it's always like greed is uh is this thing that i see constantly between them and it's a it's a and it's true it's the greed of children right i think when mm-hmm. you're growing up your per, your first purpose as a being as a human being one of the first things that we learn to do is to think for ourselves and be selfish it's what we're supposed to do it's we're yeah. supposed to preserve ourselves first and foremost because how can we do anything for anybody if we're not even around <laughs> but mm-hmm. You know every step of the way i kind of got this thing of like well why don't we get this oh and the old lady's like well you know you don't do the same work so you don't deserve the same output and it's a fair point to a degree and then you get this thing where they go out and set the net up and they're living in the thing and i remember thinking like you know they caught a couple of you know like what five or six let's just say ten even of the fireflies and put them in there it's plenty of light it was all they needed Mm-hmm. But then it goes out there. It's like, let's catch hundreds of these things and <laughs> then put them in here and let them die.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and there was this sense of where it was like, it's always that he keeps going too far and pushing things too far. And he, he lets greed kind of continue to push him into a situation. Even if you want to look at it, like his, his, Uh, it's a weird way to say it but like his greed of wanting to be out there free and happy with himself instead of wanting to take it on the chin and, and do the thing that he really should have done regardless of how he felt and how he knew his sister would react and be like you know the smart thing to do for my sister he was outright told by the old man suck it up go back it's not great with her but go back and apologize to the old woman and just you know take take what you can get and right it, it does seem like that kind of plays in the movie. Like, you know, he's, he's stealing, and he gets to a point where he's stealing too much, too often. Yep. But it's still always never enough. And there's also this thing where it's like throughout the movie, up until the end, he never looks as bad off as her. And like you mentioned, there's this part of the movie where it's almost like I could see the movie kind of telling you that part of that. I, that mindset is heading to where he's taking better care of himself than he is a sister but the movie at least from what it shows him saying is like he's trying to take care of his sister but it's like you don't see the same level between the two of them and whether that's just because his sister refused to eat or because she was younger and the impact was stronger on her i don't know but it there was this weird thing where we're like the, the kids didn't know when enough was enough and even if you want to look at that like when enough was enough of their lifestyle at some point they should have just went back you know we go back to that question if they go back to the the aunt do the events of this movie play out differently
0: yeah i don't know the more i think about it i just think the aunt didn't want them there because she even has that line of uh you go stay with another family member maybe one on your dad's side you know Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean i'm not saying you're wrong but i think it showed that she was clearly even if it was not happily she was going to still shoulder
0: the burden definitely yeah um blake do you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here not really i
2: think we pretty much covered everything that i can think of i'm sure
0: all right so before we close out uh blake i need another joke please
2: all right let me pull it up all right (laughs) did you know steve harvey and his wife got into a fight i didn't know that it was a family feud I fucking knew it. Um,
0: <laughs> Brett, let me get uh, another joke, please. Uh, why did you. the
1: Why did the nurse need a red pen at work? I don't know why. In case she needed to draw blood. Ba-da.
0: Jesus. Uh oh, well. And to end out this wonderful episode of Midweek Matinee, we will end with my joke. <clears throat> my My wife said she was leaving because of my obsession with the monkeys. I thought she was joking. And then I saw her face. <laughs> uh Brett what'd you, what you what how many stars did you give this movie?
1: I'm going to honestly I I'm, I wish you would have started with
2: Blake because there's just this Blake what are you sense. giving this movie? <laughs> no, nope, we're going Brett first. Go on, buddy. I'll
1: do it. My problem <laughs> is is that I just have this sense of anticipation that you're not going to give this movie the rightfully deserved five out of five.
0: <laughs> He's definitely not, um, which he should, but I'm like, Blake, what'd you give the movie? Four out of five. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> five a out of five. Good score. It's a five out of five. Okay.
1: Okay. Listen, this is what this is. This is all I want to do. Blake, explain to me. And I, it's, it's fine. <laughs> you, you can't be wrong. I'm not saying that. But out of curiosity, explain to me why you don't think why you think it's a four out of five instead of five, a five out of five. Again, I don't think you're wrong. I just would love to hear what it sure. is about the movie that you think didn't quite jive with you to push it up that extra point.
2: I think you're wrong, but I also want to know. <laughs> I didn't care seeing them like dead before it started. So do you I? Would have preferred be opened. Yeah, I don't typically like when movies open with the ending, or like what is close to the ending. You know. Um, i mean i think that's a not a
1: fair point to say that it, it does open with the ending i mean you know it's to, to be fair it's one of those things where it's not the destination it's the journey sure and i think that that's what makes this movie work but it I mean, it, it's a fair point the movie does start with the ending and that always oh, yeah. does have some level of taking away from the end
2: yeah and yeah. nothing Uh-oh. while watching it clicked with me so much that i was like dying to see what happened next i guess or like when it was over i wasn't like man i'm I'm gonna watch that again you know what i mean
1: interesting i went Hmm. from you know initially i told we were talking about where to watch it and i mentioned that of course this is on hulu right after i canceled my fucking hulu (laughs) subscription (laughs) um and of course i went and checked to see if my hulu subscription was still active because i had a few days whenever i canceled it before it actually went out um but when it, whenever it became obvious to me I was going to have to re-up my subscription I was like, what, how much is it on somewhere else? And I saw it was $7 on Vudu I said, so I can spend $7 oh, on idea. Vudu To own the movie in high def or I, can spend, or I can rent it for $3 Or I can spend $6 to stream it on Hulu yeah. I was like, you know, screw it, I'll just <coughs> buy it. And I went from being like worst-case scenario I bought it and at least the money didn't go to Hulu. <laughs> 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 to I, at by the end of it I was like, you know, I'm really glad that I bought this cuz I could see me revisiting this and a year, two years, sometime whenever yeah. I get a little bit of time between to kind of really pull everything together. And this is
0: this is the kind of movie I'd love to recommend to someone and then leave the room for an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> it's not. A, yeah, it, I a completely agree with that. I think this is a movie that needs to be watched alone. I think you need to be left alone with everything that's happening. I should say not. You shouldn't be watching it necessarily for the first time with someone else who's seen it. In my opinion, I think you really need to be. Everyone in the room yeah. needs to have these feelings new to them and simultaneously and kind of let them soak in.
0: Yeah. And, and, and in all seriousness, four out of five is a five out of five for an animated movie from Blake. So <laughs> that's true. I'm counting it as four weeks in a row of all fives across the board.
1: Bang, bang. <laughs> Damn.
0: Is it? It's not four weeks in a row. It would have been if you'd given it a five, yes. I didn't actually. give Frank a five
1: he's saying four for him Uh, for myself oh got you got you my my last
0: four picks have been all five out of fives i've been on a fucking roll (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean one day i'll pick i'm gonna keep picking animated movies and blake's eventually gonna give one a five it might be akira i think that's the one (laughs) i'm I'm thinking of
2: really you think it'll be akira i don't i've seen clips of akira and it looks fine Bro, how about you take us out of here? <laughs> no, fuck. Blake, what's your movie for next week? Alright, so this is unfortunately only streaming on Shudder. Okay. As, far, as far as I can tell, Just Watch doesn't show that it's available to purchase anywhere, but it's called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker.
0: Okay.
2: And I've been seeing really good things about it on Twitter, so I've been wanting to watch it, and I figured this was a perfect opportunity. No, it's it's a 1982 so slasher film
1: oh it's something older
2: yeah so oh, would know, be a I fun think
1: I saw I think I saw you share a, a picture of it uh, something possibly yeah
2: because
1: I know it sounded familiar and now that you're saying that it kind of checks out
2: yeah it looks like a fun probably cheesy 1980s slasher thank you
0: for listening to midweek matinee this week I hope you're not too sad go hug your family members I guess uh, <laughs> Brett how about you end the show <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us on Midweek Matinee. Remember, mm-hmm. if you want to go find us on social media, you can head over and find Chris individually at FIGZ21K on Twitter. You can find Blake at Popes underscore Blake underscore 92 on Twitter. You can find me on the weekly PlayStation podcast Twitter for Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast, where you can hear me and Saul every week talk about all things PlayStation, except for weeks I get my wisdom teeth pulled. And um, occasionally you can hear me and Chris talk about video games in a fashion very close to this with our spoiler chat series tomorrow uh, day after recording today just a little bit our near automata episode goes live for free people so go check that out if that sounds interesting to you and lastly if you want to support the show with more than just your time which we promise we love you for then head over to our patreon and actually i'm back up chris edit that out real quick If you want to discuss with us on things about the show and your thoughts on the movies we talk about, head over to the Discord, which is always linked in the description of the podcast. Whatever service you're using, click through and find that so you can join the discussion. And if you want to support us with more than just your time, head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash nartech, and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. It really helps support the, the show, the cost to put this show out there. Hopefully, one day, the cost for Chris to edit this show in particular. And... Just fills us up with warm bubblies on the inside. So head over there. Do that. You'll get episodes early like this five days ahead of everyone else, as well as other cool content. So once again, patreon.com slash nartech. We always give shout outs to our patrons. So I'd like to start that off with giving a big shout out to our newest patrons, which is Rob Warp Point. You can go check him out on the Warp Point podcast. We have Josh Drago. Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popest, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days '93. Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys all so much.